This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, there's certainly been quite a lot of conversation lately about how anxiety is playing an increasing role in our lives. The pandemic and now a softer economy with high inflation certainly ramping things up. But now, how do leaders deal with these issues in the workplace? A new collaboration called Nano Tools for Leaders looks at fast and effective leadership, tools that can be learned quickly and help the productivity of you and your team. Marie Schweitzer is a professor of operations, information, and decisions here at the Wharton School who is part of this, and he joins us right now. Maurice, great to see you again. Ah, thanks for having me. Good to be back. First, let's start with the collaboration itself and, and you think its importance in terms of the workplace, where we are now, and, and where we're headed. Well, we're constantly collaborating across organizations and within organizations where we're reconstituting teams and we have high mobility in the workforce. And so the challenge of affecting cooperation is extremely high, and we've got to do that with often new, new people. So this one around anxiety, it's obviously a much-discussed topic uh, right now. How much is it, do you think, being discussed by employers, uh, by C-suite executives, by management level in the workplace right now? I think it's under-discussed. That is, people feel anxiety themselves, but rarely vocalize it. And I think if you were to ask your friends, your coworkers, how often do you feel anxiety? I think what you'd find is that people are feeling anxiety almost all the time, almost every day, almost every hour. There are times that create anxiety for us. There are acute times when we might face a presentation or a tight deadline where we feel intense anxiety, but there are moments of anxiety that hit us almost all of us, pretty frequently. And I think you're right. I mean, COVID was an anxious time for so many people, but there are lingering effects and people worry about the economy. They worry about their job security. They worry about paying rent. There's so many things we worry about. And then also our performance at work is a constant source of anxiety. And so in this case, it's important for both managers and employees to understand how to be able to handle anxiety better. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That is, we need as managers to anticipate that our employees are often feeling anxious. And as coworkers, we need to feel, you know, feel the sense that it's not just us who feels anxiety, but the people around us are also feeling anxiety. And that's going to impact how we collaborate and how we work with other people. So you have a couple of action steps here uh, that people should think about. One being reframing anxiety as excitement. Explain this to us. Yeah, so so if you think about emotions, anxiety is what's characterized as a high arousal, high activation emotion. So like our heart is beating fast. And so when we think about our heart beating fast, that's high arousal, high activation. It's generally negative. So when we're feeling anxiety, we're worried about things going wrong. So think about going into a presentation. I'm going to make this presentation and I'm thinking about all of the ways that things could go wrong. And what I'm suggesting here is that we can instead think about the ways in which things might go right. So imagine this presentation went great. What would happen? Imagine this negotiation ended up 
better than I expected, what would happen? Where it's high arousal, high activation, that is, with excitement, our heart can still beat fast. We're now just focused on opportunities versus threats. So it's easier than telling somebody, you know, I could say, Dan, hey, why don't you just calm down? Right. But now what I'm asking you to do is take that high activation, your heart rate's racing, and I'm telling you, well, just calm it all down, slow all the way all, it all the way down. And that turns out to be extremely hard for people. So telling people, take a deep breath and calm down, that doesn't work nearly as well as saying, hey, get excited, focus on the opportunities. And that's interesting because, you know, you remember the old line of counting to 10 when you're stressed yes. or you get into you get into a tough situation. And while that's great in theory, I don't know really how much it works in in, in actual, you know, in actual practicality. So thinking about it in a different perspective, it's probably new for a lot of people. I think that's exactly right. That is. We are so ingrained to say, hey, just calm down. Or I say, look, I know you're anxious about this test or this deadline, but it's no big deal. It's fine. Um, just you know, take a deep breath, calm down, count to 10. And yet when people have taken their deep breath, count to 10, that anxiety is likely to come rushing back. And what I'm suggesting instead is let's focus on opportunities. Imagine this goes great. Imagine the presentation or the test. Uh, imagine you you meet this deadline. Imagine this important meeting goes really well. Mm-hmm. Imagine that and get excited for it. So kind of a, also a byproduct uh, are, are the health impacts that probably people uh, will be able to deal with on a, on a better fashion as well. Well, I think that's an important point. That is, anxiety is not a great place for us to live and yet that is where most of us reside a lot of the time we feel anxious about all kinds of things and if instead we can take some of the most acute moments and get excited not only maybe maybe feel better but in studies studies have shown that we actually perform better so if people get excited before a math test they're excited before they sing they're excited before they go uh, perform something, they're more likely to do a better job. Uh, and we have data suggesting that. You also talk about the element of thinking about it as a ritual. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think one thing that's important to recognize is that we use rituals in many occasions to mark transitions or otherwise stressful events. So you can think about around death. We have rituals around mourning, around a burial. <clears throat> we think about transitions in power. We have rituals around those. Um, when we when people get married, there's sort of life transitions. Uh, we tend to have rituals. And these rituals help us in the big moments and also in the small moments. So think about athletes. So whenever the play stops in a sporting event all eyes turn to one person. So you can think about in basketball, the free throw shooter that dribbles the ball a certain number of times and spins it before they shoot their free throw shot, or the tennis player that bounces the ball a certain number of times before they serve it. These are rituals, and these rituals help people when they feel anxious. They give us a sense of control, and they calm us down. So 
rituals can be a really important part of our toolkit to help us navigate anxious times. And one thing that we found in our in our research is that we can create rituals. That is, it might be nice to have a ritual that's been around for hundreds of years that many people do with us in synchrony. But even if we invent our own rituals, those rituals, when we do them in a certain kind of way, we feel a sense of control and mastery. And sort of like that tennis player, before they serve, they move us to a place that's more serene than the anxiety we might be feeling. So you tried this out in a, in a case study. Maybe if you can give us some backstory on on how this played out and, and what the results were. Yes. So we did this in a few different ways, but I'll tell you one of my favorite ones. We had people singing in a, and we had, we used a Wii karaoke machine to score their singing performances. And uh, so we had them in a, in a room. We told them that we were going to pay them based upon their score um, on the machine. And it's a function of how accurate and sort of loud uh, they are. And, uh, we had them sing the song "Don't Stop Believing." Um, you might, you you could hum a few oh, yeah. bars, Dan. Oh yeah, don't um, stop believing. Yeah, that's all, that's all I got, Maurice. I'm horrible. I'll be honest. Yeah. Well, so so we gave participants uh, the words, um, and then of course the background music, and uh, and then we had them sing. And when you ask people to sing um, with yeah, sort of people like you as the exception. You're so used to being on on microphone, but most people find that to be an anxious time. And we gave people, we invented a ritual for people to do. Uh, we told them to draw how they felt, to sprinkle salt on it, um, you know, to rip it up. Um, we we gave them a ritual, and we told them this was a ritual. Uh, in other cases, we didn't give people a ritual to do. Uh, we just gave them time to sort of, you know, sit sit quietly. Another group, we told them just to calm down, and then we scored their performance. and And what's interesting is that we, we did this across many different things. We gave people math tests, and but the singing is the most fun. Mm-hmm. And you see that people are singing better. And we also we also measured we measured their heart rates. Telling people to calm down doesn't diminish your heart rate, but going through a ritual does. What's the challenge then for a leader, a manager in a company who may have to deal with his or her own anxiety, but then also have to be aware of and maybe act upon the anxiety of employees as well? Yeah, so I think the first step is to recognize how prevalent anxiety is and to recognize our own anxiety. The second thing to recognize is what are the triggers? What kinds of things are triggering anxiety? If we can name those, that can be quite helpful. Hey, I'm anxious about this deadline. I'm anxious about this meeting. And then to think about reframing that, recasting that. I think as managers... What's really important is for us to recognize our own anxiety, but also recognize how anxious the people are around us. And so it might not be the case that we need to 
make deadlines more salient to people, uh, you know, it's not, that's not what's going to motivate them. It could be that people are on the other side of this. That is, they're so anxious that if we can diminish their anxiety, they might perform better. And so sometimes to figure out ways for us to take the temperature down and to make people less anxious to help them perform better. Maurice, great to have you with us today. Thanks for your time. All the best with uh, NanoTools. Thanks again. Oh, thank you. Maurice Schweitzer, who's a professor of operations, information, and decisions here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.